0: The more you kind of dive into that, the more I'm really realizing how deeply rooted racism is into like my everyday thought process.
1: A living embodied anti-racist culture does not exist among white people. White people got to start getting together specifically around race.
0: White accountability groups are really helpful. There's a period of deep shame for being white. This is really sick and it's a complete dead end that will tank the country if we allow it to continue. Everyone is created equal in the eyes of God. And if you don't act that way and judge people based on who they are and what they do, the choices they make, and instead judge them on the color of their skin, it's over. That's very obvious. It's been obvious to people for a long time. in fact, it was universally acknowledged up until about 20 minutes ago. But the Washington Post, owned by Jeff Bezos, the New York Times, and a few other big outlets like CNN and NBC are leading the charge in the other direction. The video you just saw, which is deranged, was released unironically without scolding comment by the Washington Post on Friday as part of a new series it calls The New Normal. Then a day after the video went up, the Washington Post published published a hit piece on a journalist called Chris Rufo. Now, no one has done more in this country than Chris Rufo to expose so-called critical race theory for what it really is, which is racism, unadorned. It's systemic racism, if there ever was it. He has said that clearly, and they hate him for it.
1: Welcome, everyone. Welcome. I am Mr. Chase H. You are tuning in to the Act, Protect, Engage podcast. Today, we are talking about critical race theory. This is part two. Part one came out yesterday. So if you missed it, please, please make sure you listen to that one first because we're going to kind of, you know, hit the ground running on this one. Hope you guys had a great hump day. I hope you guys had a good week so far. I'll see you on the other side of the musical break. Ape. Alright, whoo, this beat is fire We are back with another great episode of the Act, Protect, Engage podcast It's Chase again, I'm happy you could join us Alright, CRT part 2, the opponents of CRT Indoctrination or education? Which one is it? No one seems to have any clear answers But you've come to the right place because we're going to talk about it Shout out to all of our listeners both domestically and internationally. We love you guys. We do this for you. Thank you so much for tuning in. Man, I didn't want to turn that beat off. (laughs) All right. So housekeeping, as usual, you guys know what I'm about to say. If you listen to more than two podcasts, you probably already know. Housekeeping time. Please, please, please follow us on social media. Okay, We are on Instagram at Ape Academy Podcast. We are on Twitter at A underscore defensive. We are on TikTok at Ape Academy Pod. We are also on Facebook Ape Defensive Solutions. So, we're using social media to promote, but honestly you guys are so awesome and I have such a Dedicated and loyal base of listeners Social media is just kind of An extra thing that helps us out You guys are what drive the podcast You guys are what make This so fun Okay, okay, so Turn on your post notifications also Alright, because guess what If you don't turn on your post notifications You might be watching Netflix And you might miss An episode, but if you turn on your post notifications and you're watching The Witcher and you hear bing, and then you look on your smartphone and you see that little banner on the top and it says A.P.E Academy Podcast, you know that there's another awesome episode streaming. All right. So you're not going to miss anything. Another way to not miss anything is to subscribe. Okay. That helps us out a lot. If you can, please rate us. Five stars will be best. But be honest because I look at all the the reviews, all the ratings, and I use that to tweak some things and make some changes. Yo, listen. You will blow my mind, man. If you got like two minutes and you can write like four words, like maybe even two sentences, this podcast is dope. Chase is awesome. Man, I will love you forever. We need all the good reviews we can get because we want to boost up in the ratings, right? We need your guys' help. Please help us out. Okay, so we are live on the Ape Academy podcast. Um, if you missed yesterday's CRT part one, you missed a great episode. The reason why I'm doing this, man, is because like I watch a, a lot of news. You know, I, I pay attention to the news. And I've been seeing all this stuff on Facebook and the news about critical race theory, and I'm like, what? what is this? I don't even know what it was, man. I went to University of Virginia, all right? I went to a good high school, a liberal arts college. I'm a double major, and I never really heard this used. I mean, I think it's something that really wasn't out there, uh, outside, you know, in the general public until the fight over... Uh, Black Lives Matter, the the police killings of George Floyd and others, and this push for more diversity and inclusion training, that's when we really started, you know, all the freaks and the geeks and the weirdos came out of the the freaking shadows, man. Like, I'm telling you, like, people were coming out the woodwork with signs like, Don't, don't be racist against white people. Oh, we can't do that. I'm like, wow, hold on. So I heard all this stuff, and I was like, what are, these, what are these folks talking about? What's anti-white? So I started doing research, and it's really fascinating. It's fascinating because it's such a complex subject. We're going to talk about it. All right, so last episode, we talked about what is CRT. So let's go over the definition one more time, okay? And I'm taking this from the NAACP's Legal Education and Defense Fund, okay? So this is the legal arm of the NAACP so they're a bunch of attorneys and ironically well not really ironically but fittingly attorneys are the really the only people who actually learn critical race theory who are actually taught it it's taught in law school it's taught in graduate school it's a legal field of study academic study so I'm gonna lay that out right now so when you see uh, you know, Bob Johnson, who lives down on Maple Street at the bus stop in the morning when you drop your kids off. And he's like, Hey, y'all, uh, Susan, uh, you know that dang on critical race theory. And you're like, Bob, hold on. I listened to a podcast last night, and Chase said that critical race theory is actually only taught in law school. Who the hell is Chase? Let me check out his podcast. So that's what I'm looking for, right? So let's go over the CRT definition. What is critical race theory? This is a direct quote quote. Critical race theory, or CRT, is academic is an academic and legal framework that denotes that systema- or systemic racism is part of American society, from education and housing to employment and healthcare. CRT recognizes that racism is more than the result of individual bias and prejudice; it is embedded in laws, policies, and institutions that uphold and reproduce. Racial inequalities. According to CRT, societal issues like black Americans higher mortality rate, their outsized exposure to police violence, the school to prison pipeline, denial of affordable housing, and the rate of death of black women during childbirth are not unrelated anomalies. All right. Did anyone hear anything in that definition about how white people are evil and you should be ashamed? To be white. Was that in any of this description? No. It's not about white folks. It's about exploring race as a social construct and how it has shaped and defined institutions in this country, all right? So that's CRT, critical race theory. Who created CRT? Critical race theory was first developed by legal scholars. In the 1970s and the 1980s, following the civil rights movement, it was in part a response to the notion that society and institutions were, quote, colorblind. CRT holds that racism was not and has never been eradicated from our laws, politics, or institution, and that it is still woven into the fabric of their existence. That is a Eloquent quote, and that is exactly what CRT is. I actually started reading the academic work that first came out that analyzed critical race theory in education. This was written in '95. All right, and if you haven't read that, then you probably don't. You probably shouldn't be speaking on 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 a news program. The founder of CRT in education, right? Using. Well, not CRT, in education. The scholar used critical race theory to analyze education and disparities within the educational system. All right. So I'm working on reading that right now, working through it. It is dense. You know, it's scholarly. It's it's official scholarly academic work. So it's going to take some time really to dig through that. I'll get back to you guys on that and, and I'll do a review. I'll do an analysis of it to the best of my limited abilities. All right. So what are we talking about today? Today we're talking about why states are banning CRT. Opponents say it is indoctrination. That's what the opponents say. We got a few sources. Well, we always got YouTube. We always got Fox News. We have the Brookings Institute. There's an article entitled, quote, Why are states banning critical race theory? And then we also use an NPR video, or an NPR interview, I'm sorry, entitled Uncovering who is driving the fight against critical race theory in schools? And this is from NPR.org. And the Brookings Institute is www.brookings.edu. Okay? So those are two really good academic sources, you know, highly respected sources. Um, it's interesting because you want to you when you do, uh, when I do my podcast, I try to get as neutral as, As possible. Now, obviously, it's not always going to be possible. I just read an NAACP quote, but they're the premier civil rights organization. So they are legitimate. Their information will be accurate. All right. Now, there might be members that are on the left, but their official organization is a strictly civil rights based organization. All right. So let's talk about. The introductory rant. <laughs> we talked about that yesterday. I just started doing it yesterday. You know how everyone, like Chris Cuomo used to have one before he got fired. I think Don has one. Don Lemon on CNN. I think Tucker has one. Mark Levine, I think, has one. The Ben Shapiro show. That's an entire monologue. So I always do a rant in the beginning of my podcast. This is from Chase. This is the views of Chase. What, what happens when people fear what they don't understand? What happens when people don't take the time to do the heavy lifting, the research and investigation required to understand a topic fully? What happens when political demagogues determine the opinions of millions of citizens? A new boogeyman emerges, a black sheep, an easy target on which to unload the frustrations of people who feel like their views are being unheard Or underappreciated Opponents of CRT call it Brainwashing, indoctrination Marxist rhetoric Radical left rhetoric, etc Why is this such a divisive topic? Today We are going to examine The counter argument Why people are so unwilling To acknowledge CRT As a valid way to educate Alright This is what we're talking about today All right. Let's talk first about the bans, okay? The CRT bans, the legislation that is essentially banning critical race theory. All right, so in order to fully understand the widespread impact of critical race theory, we need to dig into some facts and and statistics. The Brookings Institute conducted a full-scale assessment of anti-CRT legislation. Here's what they found. In nine states, Idaho, Oklahoma, Tennessee, Texas, Iowa, New Hampshire, South Carolina, Arizona, and North Dakota, nine states have passed anti-CRT legislation. Arizona's legislation was overturned in November of 2021 by the Arizona Supreme Court. Fun fact: None of the state, none of the state legislation that have passed actually mentioned the words "critical race theory" explicitly, except for two, Idaho and North Dakota. So they actually say in their state law, CRT. And I'm, I have a list of all the, the, the legal, the, the, the bills. So I'm gonna read some uh, excerpts from them. Okay. The legislations mostly ban the discussion, training, and or orientation that the United States is inherently racist, as well as any discussion about conscious and unconscious bias, privilege, discrimination, and oppression. These parameters also extend beyond race to include gender lectures and gender discussions. So it's not just about race. It's also about gender and sexual orientation as well. So it's not just a black and white thing. That's not what they're talking about. What, what most of these bills are banning is discussion, training, and orientation. And it, and they are very, very careful to make sure that you understand that there will be no talk about privilege of any one group over the other, discrimination, by one group of the other or oppression of one group to the other, right? Anti-CRT henchmen in Montana and South Dakota have officially denounced teaching concepts associated with critical race theory. State school boards in four states, Florida, Georgia, Utah, and Alabama have introduced new guidelines barring critical race theory related discussions. Local school boards in four states, Georgia, North Carolina, Kentucky, and Virginia, have also heavily criticized critical race theory. Almost 20 states have introduced or plan to introduce similar anti-CRT slash diversity legislation. The Brookings Institute, they believe that Republican-led state legislatures are continuing to roll back racial progress And also efforts to advance gender equality, quote, law abiding or or, I'm sorry, law abiding laws forbidding any teacher or lesson from mentioning race or racism and even gender or sexism would put a chilling effect on what educators are willing to discuss in the classroom and provide cover for those who are not comfortable hearing or telling the truth about the history and state of race relations in the U.S. All right, so I'm going to read excerpt from North Dakota's law. All right, that mentioned CRT. Right, North Dakota House Bill 1508, which was signed by Governor Doug Berman or Burgum on 11 1521, prohibits K through 12 public schools from instruction related to critical race theory which is defined in the bill as the quote that racism is systematically embedded in American society and the American legal system to facilitate racial inequality. That is banned flat out. You cannot teach that. You cannot teach in North Dakota that the legal system is skewed or is weighted against a certain race. That's that's ridiculous. I mean, that's that's pretty much common knowledge. All right, let's go over a few, a few other states. So we're going to go over Missouri. Well, first we're going to go over Texas. Texas, which is my state. I live in Houston. Senate Bill... Well, yeah, Senate Bill 3 signed into law on 9-17-2021. Senate Bill 3 makes significant changes to required civics education curriculum establishes a new civics training program for teachers and requires that both sides of current controversial issues are presented it prohibits teaching certain concepts regarding race and sex and giving academic credit for advocacy work so you cannot get high school credit for working for instance for a civil rights organization you do not get school credit for that in Missouri, so my son, he lives in Missouri with my ex-wife, so Missouri is close to my heart. I go there every month. House Bill nine five two, House Bill five nine two. Now this is proposed, I believe. These are let me let me double check. Yes, they are considering a band, uh, a band. Yeah, they're considering a a band like Motley Crue. Uh, okay, so Missouri is considering a band. Or they have pre-filled bills for the next session. So these bills are ready to go and they're sitting in the chamber. So House Bill 5952 would ban certain concepts from being taught in state agencies, school districts, public post-secondary institutions, and state-funded charter schools, including, which is my son's school, a charter school, including specified curriculum. These are... They're banning these exact curriculums. The 619 Project, Learning for Justice Curriculum by SPLC, We Stories, Program, Programs by Educational Equity Consultants, BLM at School, Teaching for Change, Zen Education Project. State funding would be withheld from entities who violate these rules. So if you teach anything about BLM, the 1619 Project, Uh, Whoever the other people are teaching for change For change you will not receive state funds All right So those are just three examples Of some state legislation That uh, Says no CRT in schools Although it's not being taught in schools But that's not the point All right The opponents Let's talk about the opponents Who are these shadowy figures Well they're not shadowy they're everyday parents, they're accountants, they're attorneys, they're doctors, are construction workers, they're business owners, you know, paralegals, they ha- they come from a, a wide background. Stay-at-home moms, can't forget those. According to Brookings Institute senior fellow Rashawn Ray, many parents of school children are worried about their kids learning things in school that they do not have the capacity to address or the willingness to discuss. As a college professor, Mr. Ray has personally witnessed many students who are unprepared to tackle complex topics like race and gender. So they come to their class out of high school, straight from high school to college. They go to Mr. Uh, or Professor Ray's class and he starts talking about certain topics and they're like, what? Like, we don't know how to we don't know how to learn this. We don't know how to uh, do this type of discussion. So this is a quote from him, quote. As a college professor who does who does teach CRT, as one of the many theoretical frameworks that I bring into the classroom, students are alarmed by how little they have learned about inequality. They are upset at their schools, teachers, and even their parents. So there's a sense that they're unprepared. And you know, even me with my 20-year-old, she goes to University of Texas, and I've learned, like I've seen what she learns in high school, and she goes to University of Texas. And it's like she, you know, she, she's struggling a little bit to to adapt because these high schools aren't preparing them for a diverse, vibrant, academically challenging world of college. College doesn't care. These university pro, uh, professors, they don't care if you didn't learn that in, in high school. They're still teaching it. So you better catch up, right? So I, I told her, you know, you know, it's okay. You know, your first first year was hard. Your first semester, but... You're going to get better because you're going to adjust. You're going to learn how to do the work, you're going to learn how to do the discussions, how to do the reading, how to how to do how, you know, how to get along with your classmates. That's going to come. But I do believe that public schools need to do a little bit more with preparing their kids for more diverse environments, all right? That's just my personal opinion. Children are being exposed to things that parents can't explain, and that's a fact. They are coming into school, this is not a quote anymore, so the quote's over. They are coming into school and they're seeing things on the news or social media that they don't understand. Educators on the K-12 level are not actually teaching CRT, but they are having to respond to questions from students. This is another quote from the Brookings Institute. Quote, but teachers are trying to respond to students asking them why people are protesting and why black people are more likely to be killed by the police. So these are the things they're hearing on the news and they're trying to ask their teachers like, I've heard, you know, I heard Mr. Johnson talking at the bus stop that black people are getting killed by police a lot. What's going on with that, Mrs. Taylor? I don't understand it, right? In June of 2021, oh, uh, FYI, none of these are real names, so I'm just making these up. So, So if anyone is Mrs. Taylor Please don't sue me. In June of 2021, NBC investigative reporter Tyler Kincaid, he did a piece for NPR when he examined who, is, who exactly is waging war against CRT and why. Early in the interview with, with NPR, Tyler contradicts the official narrative of many anti-CIT, CRT state legislatures who claim that local schools are teaching critical race theory. So this is a quote from Tyler, quote, you have a situation where virtually all school districts confronted about this are saying we don't teach critical race theory. It's not part of our curriculum, but opponents are using CRT more of a catch all to include anything teaching students about systematic racism or any mention of white privilege, end quote. Many times anti-CRT opponents will point to, for example, A diversity workshop let's just say a uh, diversity workshop for employees or you know a high school lesson for students they will then highlight specific things that are mentioned in the training or in the lesson that they say is an example of CRT and then they'll turn around and claim that it teaches students that they are either oppressors or the oppressed and basically that America is a racist country at its core With no redeeming value. So, my wife, she is a counselor at one of the largest, she was a counselor at one of the largest high schools in Houston, Texas. All right. It's a very affluent area. Um, You know, there's mostly, you know, the races are pretty, you know, pretty set. We're not going to say what race predominates, but you can guess. It's an affluent area, big houses. So, their high school is only for their community. So they have this big community in Houston and their high school only serves their community, but it has 3,500 kids in it. So there are a ton of kids that go to this high school, right? So the counselors, they had a meeting, they pulled my wife in and they were like, okay guys, we have to take down the, these flyers, these, um, these new initiative flyers that we put it, that we've been putting up around the school. We have to take them down Someone complained, one of the parents saw it Someone on the school board who's a parent Of also one of the kids saw it And they complained and they said it was CRT They said it was um, Teaching CRT like like principles So they had to take it down Right um, It wasn't officially CRT And this is what I mean Anything that is is That sounds like That smells like <laughs> Sounds like or looks like CRT, people are claiming it's CRT. Critical race theory is only taught on a graduate level, okay. And people, well, they'll say, you know, Chase, you know, um, man, and, you know, that's not true. That's not true, Chase, because you know, I heard that 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 you know, this school, you know, they're they're saying that white people have white guilt and there's uh, uh white, you know, white uh forgetfulness and well that's not CRT critical race theory is a very very heavily based uh, academic field on scholarship is based on scholarship on research critical race theorists use research to analyze race as a social construct this is not that now these programs are teaching diversity, inclusion, right? These type of things, which people may confuse with critical race theory. And there are a lot of people who, who are listening to this podcast that will probably say, you know what, Chase? Yeah, but you're playing with words, right? You're talking about semantics. You're playing around with words. We're not playing around with words. I'm telling you, I'm reading the academic papers right now. Critical race theory is very complex, it's very dense. It's very very research heavy. All right, it's not talk it doesn't talk about elementary co- concepts. Right? It's linking certain things. It's it's analyzing how certain people have been treated in within certain institutions. And it uses very, very specific examples. There's nothing general about it. So that clip that Tucker played in the beginning of his show, oh, you know, white guilt, and I'm just so, I feel so horrible. That's ridiculous. You should not feel horrible for being who you are. There's always going to be extremes, right? There's always going to (laughs) be, like, you know, there's always going to be people who are going to take everything too far. Like, You'll see that, you know, you, know, uh, the girl, you know, the girl you know at the local yoga studio that you see every, every morning. And you know how she, she only drinks a, a liquid diet. There's always someone at your job or at the yoga studio or at the gym that only eats grapes. There was a guy that I work with, with, with that only ate grapes. He was on a grape diet. There's one girl I know. She was on a liquid smoothie diet. There's always people who take everything to the extreme, right? So there's always going to be extremists. But that's not what actually critical race theory represents. All right. Back off my rant. All right. Conservative parents are even more opposed to critical race theory than Republican lawmakers. Many of these parents, if asked, will deny that structural or systemic racism even exists. Quote, this is from the uh, investigative reporter. Quote, I've talked to a lot of parents on the side of opposing critical race theory and many of them have told me they don't believe that systemic racism even exists end quote so most of the parents most of these same parents will also deny the existence of white privilege Tyler goes on to say quote I've had conversations with parents who say they don't think that they have any sort of white privilege even though they are white so they're not going to see it right Concerned parents proclaim CRT as divisive and that it teaches divisive concepts. Black Lives Matter seems to be at the heart of this accusation. Tyler found that parents believe that kids should not be taught about whether black people, people of color, are are disproportionately harmed or mistreated by police. The problem is, that even elementary school kids, they see what's on TV. They hear what their parents and friends' parents talk about amongst themselves. And they need some sort of perspective, some sort of frame of reference to understand these issues. So we we, we just can't ignore them, right? We can't just say, well, well, we haven't figured it out yet, Johnny. We just haven't solved police brutality. Maybe one day we'll get it. Tyler says, quote, if we want our kids to be prepared to talk about them to address them as they become of age we need to start teaching them when they're young all right so i'm gonna uh right now i'm gonna take a quick musical break give myself a quick water break we'll be back in a flash i hope you guys are enjoying the episode let me know if it's too dense in the uh, review or just message me on instagram or twitter or whatever all right God bless y'all. Ape. Yeah, 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 yeah. we are back from the musical interlude had to take a quick sip of water man talking too much I'm just so passionate about this stuff you know I truly believe that um education is so important and to prepare our youth our young Americans for the world for the diverse world out there we need to give them the best education possible all right And speaking of education, I'm going to read a, you know, I know I've been quoting from the NPR interview this entire time, but I want to read actually a question and an answer. And I kind of want you guys to think about this, wherever you guys are, the shower, driving, you know, maybe in your bed, just think about this. All right. Think about how you were taught history. Think about what your social studies class was like. Think about, you know, go back. I remember Mrs. Monkhouse, Mr. Graham, go back to those days in elementary school or middle school. Open up in your mind your history textbook, your social studies textbook. How did you guys learn about history, American history? Because I know that I learned it very, very, uh, it was very segmented, okay? It was very um, it kind of put things in boxes and then it kind of when you're done at, when you're at the end of the chapter they'd sum it up with a with a few questions and a little essay and then you would move on like, a, like oh, well, that's over. Next stage all right, so I'm I'm gonna read a segment from the NPR interview. So the interviewer the interviewer's name is Gross, and the uh, the investigative reporter who's being interviewed is named Tyler. Right, Gross. This is the question quote The objection to the teachings of critical race theory kind of date back to the protest last summer over the police killing of George Floyd. So what's the connection, Tyler? Yeah. So last year, especially during the summer, a lot of educators were searching for ways to talk about what was going on and also evaluating what they had taught already and whether they could do a better job talking about our nation's history with racism and not and not just boiling it down to we had slavery, the civil war, and then Jim Crow, but we passed the civil rights act and here we are today. I think I think like that's what <laughs> that's what a lot of Americans have gone through in their education. Right? So he actually laughs in the interview in, in the interview. I put laughter in parentheses, but he actually laughs in the if you watch the video, he actually or listen to the audio, he actually laughs. Like that's how history was taught, guys. Remember? Like do you guys remember like you open up your history book for all my older folks at least and it' would be like the Civil War, and you would learn about the slaves and Abraham Lincoln, and then the South wanted to break away, and then you would learn about, you know, the Battle of Antietam and Gettysburg, and then it would be like it would be uh, Robert E. Lee would be in there, and then it'll be over, right? You would, oh, and everyone shook hands, right? That's how history is taught. It's very rigid. It's very linear. Something happened, something happened in response. it ended. Then this happened. This happened in response. Then it ended. But that's not how history works. At least in my opinion. Alright. I will argue anyone who says that history is linear. History just goes in a straight line. History does not just go in a straight line. History is like a roller coaster. Right. It's all over the place. We're still living the effects. Of his, of the Civil War. We're still living The effects of Reconstruction and Jim Crow and segregation. We just don't know it. Things are buried underneath the surface. All right. And studying this country is not simplistic. And I think that's what people want. They want a very cookie cutter way to analyze the history of this country and to analyze race and to analyze our institutions. But it's not that simple. All right. Ran over. This exchange, this exchange in the NPR interview is what I like to call our social studies status quo. Trademark. I'm, I'm going to trademark that. Our social studies statics status quo. This is how the prickly part of American history is taught in a very simplistic, linear fashion. Each event has a single chapter dedicated to it. Then the teacher will move on to the next event. This does not accurately represent the intricacies and complexity of the legacies left behind. I would argue with anyone who claims that history is linear. History isn't just past events that happened and then ended. We are still living in the impact zone. The blast zone, as they call it, for nuclear weapons. We are still feeling the effects today in many sections of our society, of the past, right? Tyler... Tyler Kincaid, the investigative reporter that we've been quoting, he goes on to explain that educators were tackling this problem early on. Teachers were taking the lead in wanting to do more to address some of the concerns that were voiced by their young students. This is, you know, following the George Floyd Floyd murder and and, you know, Ferguson, George Floyd, Michael Brown, all Philando Castile. The kids are seeing and hearing about all these things so educators took the lead in trying to tackle some of these problems trying to preempt some of these questions that were happening however the complaints from parents came very quickly much much before the official organized protest against critical race theory that we know of currently quote before there were widespread demonstrations against critical race theory last fall i was noticing a lot of teachers getting in trouble or getting subject uh, subjected to complaints from parents because they displayed a Black Lives Matter banner or because they tried to teach about what Black Lives Matter protests were about. And they would say, look, 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 I'm not supporting Black Lives Matter as a movement, as a statement, just as a statement. I'm supporting Black Lives Matter as a movement, as a statement, not as an organization. So let me read that again because I kind of fumbled that. Quote, this is from Tyler. He, was, he talks to a lot of parents, a lot of educators during his investigation of the CRT fights. Quote, before there were widespread demonstrations against critical race theory last fall, I was noticing a lot of teachers getting in trouble or getting subjected to complaints from parents because they displayed a Black Lives Matter banner or because they tried to teach about what Black Lives Matter protests were about. And they would say, look, I'm just supporting Black Lives Matter as a movement, as a statement, not as an organization. Kids are curious by nature, right? They're going to ask questions, and they should be prepared to offer, and we should be prepared as parents, I'm a parent of four, we should be able to offer open-minded and reasonable responses to these questions. However, in the wake of George Floyd's murder, many conservative parents they attempted to push some of these concerns under the rug. Many parents, they bristled at the idea of teachers attempting to explain the reasoning behind some of the popular protests that had sprung up in response to the tragic events in Minnesota and in Kenosha, Wisconsin. This is another quote from the interview. Quote, There was one teacher I wrote about in Burlington, Wisconsin, which is very close to Kenosha, which had a police shooting of a black person last year and that resulted in protest. And the teacher there was like, these kids are seeing what's going on. They're hearing about what's happening from their parents. I need to teach them just some basics about what's going on. But parents were upset at the mere inclusion of black lives matter in any form in the classroom. And that was something they objected to end quote. What we are seeing on the news today is the pot boiling over. The frustration over the BLM protests and responses to the increase in police shootings have spilled over into the classrooms of America. Many parents have attempted to shield their children from the realities of the 21st century American country or American society and choose the classroom as the ideological battleground. I messed that last part up basically what i'm trying to freaking say is (laughs) parents were trying to shield their kids from the realities of life in america on the ground in real life not in a video game not in virtual reality like ever seen those those vr helmet things no this is real life real people are getting killed out here and the kids started asking questions the parents were like we don't want our teachers indoctrinating our kids well they're just trying to answer their freaking questions man like you don't know the answers, right? So if they go to school for eight hours a day and then you work until seven and then when you do work, you get off, you get off, crack open a microwave dinner and drink a glass of wine and sit downstairs and watch six hundred pound life. Who's who's there to answer their questions, right? The teachers. All right. Let's talk about some of the ugly tactics Ooh, this is going to be good. We're at what, 44 minutes? Oh, crap. I promise, I'm like, I'm going to be like a uh, black preacher today. I promise I won't keep y'all much longer. I'm almost done. And it's like two more hours. I'm almost done. Some of the tactics that have been used against school boards and school board members have gotten pretty dirty and aggressive. The fight got ugly quickly. Tyler noticed that most of the tactics got aggressive very, very fast. Most of the uglier disputes are taking place. In smaller towns and suburbs. In general, the major fights are not happening in the center of large cities. The fights are occurring in places where everyone knows everyone. So, the fights get personal almost from the jump. For example, in Cumberland, Maine, one of the lead activists against CRT put up photos of school board members on his front lawn <laughs> billboard-sized photos and then allegedly booby-trapped them so that no one could take them down. Then he displayed and draped Christmas lights all over them so everyone could see him at night. In Loudoun County, Virginia, opponents of CRT announced recently that they would be driving around a mobile billboard on a small truck with a school board member's face in in a campaign to get the member recalled. Money to fund anti-CRT protests are being raised at the local level. There have been local school board races that have drawn that have drawn hundreds of thousands of dollars in campaign contributions. Hey, if you guys want to lear, want to learn about a really good uh, podcast, what is it called? There's a really good podcast that I just started listening to. Give me a second here. It is called. It's called Southlake. All right. It's it's on Apple Podcasts. If you guys want to learn about the fight over CRT, like if you want an example, let's say you live in Detroit and there's no fights about CRT, right? But if you want to know what I'm talking about, if, you know, well, you could always Google it or YouTube it. But if you want to hear a podcast about it, Southlake is an outstanding program. I highly recommend it. I gave it five stars. All right. So. There have been local school board races that have drawn hundreds of thousands of dollars in campaign contributions. Now, on a national political stage, this doesn't sound like a big number. But for a small town school board, it doesn't take a ton of money to make a big impact. School boards have never dealt with this type of campaign funding and money on this type of scale. Even threats of violence have been escalating. School districts in Nevada and Arizona have switched from in-person to remote meetings because of security concerns. School boards have added extra security guards and metal detectors to deter violence. For some school board members, their lives have, been, have become truly frightening. Tyler spoke with supporters who had received death threats. Quote, I've talked to people who have advocated for equi- uh, equity curriculum or have, you know, been part of anti-racist groups who have faced death threats and harassment online, leading them to install extra security cameras in their homes. Tyler recalls a school district in Missouri where security companies have been hired to patrol two administrators' homes just because of the volume and nature of the threats that have poured in. And the craziest part about it, all of these threats are tied in some way to a disagreement over how schools are talking about racism, gender identity, and sexuality issues. In multiple states, Texas, Virginia, California, crowds have arrived at school board meetings sometimes hours in advance, carrying signs, making noise, chanting, stop CRT, stop CRT. They throw stuff at people, it's, it's pandemonium. There have been complaints by board members that people are coming in from out of their district and have no children in their district and no connection to the schools. But they show up to cause trouble and speak about CRT. There have been multiple reports of school board me- members needing police escorts to get to their vehicle after meetings. The effort to stop CRT is an emotionally charged fight. The Nevada Family Alliance has proposed putting body cameras on teachers. To make sure they are not teaching CRT. That's... You guys think that's pretty extreme? I think it's pretty extreme. This idea has been floating around YouTube and Facebook. Among conservative circles. And has really started during the pandemic. When students were going to school from home. Right? So what's happening is... The parents are really... Are starting to... When COVID happened. The kids were at home. Right? The kids... They had to take school at home. So now their lessons are in their living room. So now parents have a kind of unprecedented access to their to their children's classroom. They can hear things. They can see things that they might not like. So this kind of, you know, perked people's ears. I'm like, wait, what are they learning? And now, oh, boy, they're coming out in full force. <laughs> the freaks and, de- and geeks are coming out, man, I'm telling you. All right, what else do I want to say about it? Yeah, so listen, the threats on violence are really bad, okay? There have been threats to school board members. There have been threats to their families. and it's just insane because all they're trying to do is educate. I understand if you don't agree with it, and, and I can, you know, you know, I'm not supporting um, their viewpoint, but I can understand how you could have reservations about critical race theory. If you don't know what it is, but since it's not being taught in schools, um, it really boils down to diversity, right? Inclusion, the the study of racism in our society. And I think it's sad that we have to go to these type of lengths, right? This is America in twenty twenty two. One of the goals of this new movement, this new anti CRT movement is to is to oust Right, Liberal school board members they want they want to reveal them for who they are. And uh, there have been a few school board members who have been targeted hard by right-wing groups and have been quote unquote exposed right there there have been petitions launched to get people recalled to get people kicked out of their seats. It's been a mess. uh one state they uh, one local school board, one local community, They voted to oust the entire school board. And this is happening in communities that lean blue, that lean red, that are solidly blue, and that are solidly red. It doesn't really matter where it is. You guys heard. I said Nevada. I said New Hampshire. I said California. This is a nationwide fight. And another thing that's been happening to school boards is that school boards have been feeling like they're under attack. By conservative groups, by conservative interest groups, official groups. And these conservative groups have a lot of money. And what they're doing is they're filing all these legal documents, to force school boards, to make all their records public, right? And for a small school board to make every record they've ever had public, that is a monumental task and very expensive. And this is a very interesting phenomenon. Because uh, like Tyler said in his interview, as a reporter, he files a ton of record requests and it's really common because, you know, we're an open society and records should be available. But these are targeted record requests. They want certain things revealed. They either want everything revealed, like every record they've ever had, or they want very specific things revealed. This is more of an intimidation tactic, right? This tactic has been used specifically and very, very um, maliciously in Rhode Island in particular, when where several school districts have been flooded with record requests. So, in one case, in South Kingston, Rhode Island, a woman filled out more than two hundred record requests within a within a couple months, and they just keep piling up. So. The record requests are looking for certain things, right? For instance, give me all the curriculum that you have taught in the last five years and plan to teach about racism, about lessons in American history, about anything that pertains to racial divides. They're asking for everything from 10 years worth of emails with superintendents to 10 years of harassment and any type of harassment complaint so they want 10 years worth of complaints 10 years worth of emails etc the records requests have asked for things like the entire reading list for the English department 7th through 12th grade for the last 10 years and that was filed by a parent whose kid was entering kindergarten their kid wasn't even in middle school yet and the parent was asking for the reading list from 7th to 12th grade (laughs) These people have nothing to do. It co- That costs clo- clo- the school board close to $10,000 to fulfill. So you get the drift, right? I can go on and on and on. All right? all right. I, I have a, so many examples it will make your head spin. Those are just a few examples of what's going on at the local level at school boards. We got intimidation. We got um, legal action. We've got violence. We also have uh, a lot of personal attacks but there's very little actual information floating around and i really hope that these last two podcasts has helped give a little bit more information about crt now there's part of me that wants to give you guys a like to back my words up i'm reading the founder right the first scholar who used critical race theory in education I'm reading her groundbreaking work right now. I'm tempted to do a podcast breaking it down, but I don't know if that's too academic or not. So if anyone has any feedback for me and you know any suggestions, let me know. That's all I got for now, guys. I hope you guys enjoyed the podcast. I'm going to do one more podcast on CRT. I think I'm going to do it anyway, that analysis, because I really, I'm going to back my freaking words up, man. You see, I study both sides. So I've talked all this big game. I've given you guys all this all these nice answers and nice definitions. But in order to really understand, you gotta do the legwork. You gotta break it down. So I'm gonna break it down for you. Give me a few days and I'll get back to y'all. I hope you guys have a great rest of the evening and a great week. We got another Black Panther episode coming out Friday. Love you guys. God bless you. Have a wonderful. Rest of the week, I'll see y'all Friday. Remember, put God first, put your family first, God and your family. God is always first, though. Get after it, stay positive, do the work, and don't let anyone tell you you can't achieve your dreams. God bless y'all. Ape out. Uh oh. The king is back. Uh yeah. Yeah. I just want to say this beat is fire. All right, guys. Tune in part three on the weekend about CRT. That's our last episode. On Friday, we're doing our last Black Panther party episode. God bless y'all. Eight out. See y'all next time. Peace.